Everybody loves the touchdown. Throws to the back of the end zone, and it is touchdown by Holmes. The grand slam. Fly ball to center field. Ethier has done it again. It's a grand slam. The buzzer beater. Gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! But how did those players get to that moment? And who built the venue and signed the contracts? We dig into the business side of sports and give you the answers. This is Sports Business Radio, powered by Postano. Now, from our studios in Portland, Oregon, with Sports Business Radio, here's your host, Brian Berger. Thanks for checking out the only show dedicated to covering the business side of sports. We're happy to be powered by our friends at Postano. Follow them online at postano.com or on Twitter at Postano. We've got a great guest this week, the CEO and co-founder of the multi-billion dollar daily fantasy sports company FanDuel, Nigel Eccles, joins us on the show this week. You want to talk about one of the fastest growing companies out there? It's FanDuel. We'll talk to the CEO, Nigel Eccles, on Sports Business Radio this week. I'm joined by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing great. And speaking of fantasy football, it's just crazy how many people are involved in that now. I mean, that is such a huge industry, and I just got my team set up. My draft was yesterday, so uh, we'll see what happens with that. Well, and the thing that's really interesting about daily fantasy, so as I always say, we live in this 140-character world where everyone has ADD. Like, we want instant gratification on everything, instant news, instant payouts. Well, what's happened with FanDuel is they got it right. So if you're playing in this fantasy league, I'm playing in one too, but it's the season-long league. A lot of times, if your team stinks after week three, you're like, eh, I'm not going to really pay attention anymore. But daily fantasy gets people to pay attention. There's payouts every day. There's a guy that we'll talk about that won $2 million from a $35 investment. And look, you know, I don't play a lot of fantasy, and also I'm not a gambler, but I can see how this is a growing industry and it's just interesting that the co-founders five of them from FanDuel were sitting in their backyard in Texas in 2009 brainstorming their best ideas and this is what they came up with I'd say they came up with something pretty good it's crazy I mean 2009 that's been that long ago and it's, it's just huge now and like you said they're throwing two million dollars they're throwing these two hundred fifty thousand dollar wins on one little fantasy league. it's crazy how much you can win now because of so many people involved and in putting money into it well think about this they're going to pay out two billion with a b dollars this year to crazy. people playing daily fantasy so uh wow. you can tell there's a lot of money involved a few things one we're excited to announce that the 2016 sports pr summit presented by the players tribune will take place on tuesday may 17th at the players tribune headquarters in new york city to receive an invite to this exclusive event for 125 senior sports PR executives from across the sports world. Get in touch with us at sportsprsummit.com. That's sportsprsummit.com. Really excited about that partnership. All right, let's talk some headlines of the week, Griggs. I know this happened last week, but uh, we didn't do a show last week because I was in Maui, which we'll get to in a minute. But Judge Richard Berman, as we expected ruled in favor of New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady. The NFL has appealed the ruling. This is around deflate gate of court. And, you know, it's I'm not surprised by this ruling. Berman was basically uh, criticizing NFL lawyers and was urging the two sides to settle. And we saw that he ruled in favor of Brady. I'm not surprised by this at all. And, Griggs, what I've been saying from day one 
is this PSI level rule in the NFL and the fact that officials didn't have the ball with them at all times and you left it up to the teams themselves to determine how much PSI was in a football. That was a flawed rule to begin with. So the NFL has changed the rule. Now officials are the only ones who will handle the football. There will be no one from the teams that handle the footballs before. So that's what they should have done. This whole, I'm going to call it a witch hunt against Tom Brady and all the money that's been spent on legal fees and all the attention that's been given to deflate Kate and deflected from what goes on on the field of play. I just think it's ridiculous. It is, and it's just a, a storm that has been going on for far too long. I mean, and you knew the outcome was most likely going to be how it came out. Obviously, Brady's going to be on the field. There's just too much money and too much uh, stuff involved. And here he is on the field. And it's, it's crazy. Like I said, this rule, I mean, wouldn't you think that'd be something they'd figure out from the beginning? Like, obviously, nobody should be touching it from the team, but it took, apparently it took them all the way through this to figure that rule out. Yeah. No, it, it's it's crazy. And, again, they need to have the focus and attention on the field of play. This has really been a battle for the NFL for the last year and a half, two years, whether it's Ray Rice, Adrian Peterson, deflate gate, the attention has been off the field of play and the NFL really needs to go through a stretch where it's just on the games. I get asked this question all the time by fans, people on Twitter. And when I appear on other people's radio shows is Roger Goodell going to lose his job. Here's my answer to that. Number one, Roger Goodell is owed roughly $300 million in guaranteed money for the remainder of his contract. So the chances that the NFL owners are going to pay him that money and then let him walk away and then hire someone else, pretty remote. The only way Roger Goodell loses his job, A, is if owners, and it has to be a number of owners, not two or three, it has to be most of the owners, lose faith in Roger Goodell and want a new commissioner. The other is if there's a scandal that causes the NFL to lose sponsors. If those two things don't happen, because the league is producing so much revenue and so much money for its owners, they're going to be fine with Roger Goodell and the money that's coming in. It's almost like, you know, go with the the person that you know versus going with the unknown, Griggs. Yeah, and I agree. Like you said, it all comes around big word money. I mean, $300 million in guaranteed for him, which is huge. I mean, that's a big hit if they pay him and he goes out and spends the rest of his life in Hawaii somewhere or whatever. You know, I mean, that's a huge amount. And like you said, when the sponsor, that, the thing that's going to make it happen is if the sponsors, if something happens where sponsors start pulling and the NFL starts losing money, that's when they're going to start looking at that. All right. So the season gets underway as we record this tonight. Uh, who do you like for the Super Bowl, Greg? You know, actually, and we're going to see them tonight, the Steelers, I think, are going to have a good year this year. I just feel like they're often. Really? Looking, yeah. I, I don't know. It's something in the back of my head says Steelers are going to be competitive this year and, and it could be uh, a good year for them. And who do you think they'll face from the NFC? Oh, y'all. good question. <laughs> uh, who knows? I don't know. I don't. I, I. I really haven't even looked at the NFC that much yet. I just don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I'm going to go with the New England Patriots again. I think Brady is going to play with the biggest chip on his yeah. shoulder of his career. I think he's going to have fire in his eyes from the outset, and uh, I think that's going to be a big thing for the Patriots. So, you know, obviously Gronk has to stay healthy. I still think the Patriots are the team to beat in the AFC. And I'm going to go Packers in the NFC. I think the Seahawks have a few too many injuries. Yeah. Um, I know that Jordy Nelson is hurt for the Packers, their primary target for Aaron Rodgers. But I think the Packers also have a chip on their shoulder because they really feel like they should have won that NFC championship game in Seattle last year. They let that thing get away. And yeah. 
cost themselves a chance at the Super Bowl. So I think they'll be on a mission this year to get back to that point. And as long as Aaron Rodgers stays healthy, uh, I think that it's going to be Packers, Patriots come Super Bowl time in San Francisco, Super Bowl 50. It's a big one for the NFL. And again, that's why the NFL so badly wants the, the storylines to be on the field instead of off the field this year. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's a good pick with the Packers, by the way. I forgot about them, and you're right. Aaron Rodgers, if he's healthy, he is uh, fun to watch and knows how to command the offense on a field, and uh, that would be great. Patriots, Packers, I'm I'm down with that. That would be good. All right, so the last uh, nine days or so, I took my daughter, and we went to Maui, and Griggs, it was glorious. We get there, and you know, there's all the TV newscasts about there's four hurricanes headed to the Hawaiian Islands. This has never happened before. It's like the perfect storm. The islands are going to be wiped off the map. Uh, we have friends that are there, um, and we ended up going to Costco one day with them. And you go into Costco. I've never seen Costco more crowded in my life. It was like the world was going to come to an end, and everyone was getting their water and their toilet paper before, yeah. <laughs> and, and filling up with gas before yeah. it was going to end. So, of course, to our advantage, there was... No bad weather. It was beautiful. It was paradise. Um, I got to give a few shout-outs. Mike Jones at Kapalua, who is gracious enough to host me and my daughter when we go out to Kapalua. We had a chance to play the Bay Course. And usually I play the Plantation Course, which is where the Hyundai Championship is played, the first PGA stop of the season. Um, Bay Course is beautiful. And if you look at my Twitter feed, at SB Radio, I put up a new cover picture of me and my daughter and it's on the par three fifth hole. Griggs, I birdied the hole. I hit it to about 65 feet, and then I made the putt, which was Look at that. ridiculous. That's like a, a highlight of my golf career is to hit it over the ocean, which you have to do on your tee shot, land it on the green, and then make a long putt. And my daughter, by the way, also hit it over the ocean. So uh, she's got some skills for, for 10 and a half years old. If there's any uh, golf coaches out there listening, uh, start sending the, the scholarship information uh <laughs> Our way, but it was just, it was beautiful there. Maui is, is so awesome. You know, the Maui Classic takes place there and, uh, they've just got some amazing resorts there in Kapalua, uh, from the golf to the plantation house restaurant where we have dinner on our last night and have the most spectacular view overlooking, uh, the ocean and just the vista from the mountain. Just a, a glorious place. So all the way around, it was great. And then Griggs, it doesn't get a lot worse for me because this weekend, I'm actually going to meet the CEO of the Arizona Super Bowl host committee who I worked with. Her name is Jay Perry, and we are going to play Band and Dunes on the coast of Oregon, which is also one of the nicest golf resorts there. And B.R. Kahneman, who is with Band and Dunes, is always uh, gracious to host us there. And, you know, from Band and Dunes and Pacific Dunes, which were their original courses, to uh, you've got Old McDonald there. You've got a, a par three course. They've, they've just gotten it all right at that resort when it comes to golf. So, and again, I'm a sucker for ocean views. So you put a course along the ocean and, and I'm in. Yeah, definitely. You can't, you can't lose. You know, I mean, there's a reason why the PGA goes to Hawaii a lot because it's like flawless and absolutely perfect and great weather 90% of the time. So, I mean, it's, you can't, you can't lose with Hawaii or, or Bandit Dunes too. It's gorgeous down there. It's amazing. And I went down the slide at the uh, Westin Hotel in Kanapali in Maui, and you know I felt like I was 12 years old again. That's the cool thing about having a, a child, as you well know, is you'll get down into the activities with them. I was making sandcastles on the beach with my daughter. We were playing golf. I was going down the slide. 
you're yep. riding bikes. I mean, you're just doing all these things. And, and, uh, it was sad to see summer come to an end, but fall is football season. And I know a lot of people are excited about that. The NBA and NHL are going to be here before we know it. So, uh, good time of year. It is. Fall is probably my favorite. I, you know, football obviously top of the list, but you're right. NHL coming and NBA right around the corner. It's a good time to be alive. Last headline, uh, we'll see who wins the U.S. Open, but Serena Williams still alive. Really interesting match with uh, her sister Venus, who many people thought would be her biggest obstacle to getting that fourth Grand Slam tournament of the year and winning all four Grand Slams in a calendar year, the Serena Slam. So uh, the U.S. Open still going on. Roger Federer trying to get another title and add that Grand Slam to, to his resume as well. So U.S. Open has been fun to watch. I don't know if you've watched any of that, but uh, I, I like the big matches, and I like watching when the big names are playing. Serena is just incredible to watch. I mean, she is just like a, a machine out there and, and is just always in the right spot. And, you know, I, I applaud her big time. If she can win this one and, and get all four this year, that's uh, what a piece of history you get to witness. I mean, who knows if that'll ever happen again. That's crazy. And by the way, I, I, this isn't a political show, and I'm not going to go on a, on a huge rant, but... Come on, New York City police. Really? You're going to basically throw James Blake, who is a very recognizable tennis player, one of the nicest people around. He's been on this show multiple times, so well-spoken, such an ambassador for tennis. He gets thrown to the ground because they mistook him for someone else. And New York City police and the mayor have come out and apologized, but holy cow. I mean – you know, I'm not, again, I'm not going to go on a big rant, but let's recognize people for who they are and like get it right. Like people like that should not be thrown to the ground. They shouldn't even be bothered. And, no. and it's just ridiculous to see, you know, whether it's noteworthy people or, or people who are just common citizens who are being treated unfairly because they're mistaken for someone else. Let's get that right. Let's let's do a better job there. Police all over the country, but you know, this was a high profile incident because it's the US Open going on and because James Blake has been on Oprah and Ellen and everyone else. I mean, he's a recognizable guy. How do you make that mistake here? But uh the New York City police made it and they've apologized and hopefully that won't happen again. All right, coming up next. Nigel Eccles, who is the CEO and co-founder of the multi-billion dollar fantasy sports company FanDuel, joins us on Sports Business Radio this week. I'm Brian Berger. He's Brian Griggs. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more powered by Postano. SBR will be right back. Hi, it's Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, but also the founder and CEO of the exclusive Sports PR Summit. The Sports PR Summit is an annual event bringing together senior PR executives from the sports world, national media members, and pro athletes for a full day of panel discussion, featured conversations, and face-to-face networking in New York City. Past speakers have included ESPN reporter Jeremy Schapp, Sports Illustrated executive editor John Wartime, former NFL veterans Tiki Barber and Derek Mason, NBA Senior VP of PR Mike Bass, and other top PR minds from across the sports world. The 2016 Sports PR Summit will take place on Tuesday, May 17th at the Players' Tribune, which is a new digital media platform created and curated by some of the world's top athletes and founded by former Yankees great Derek Jeter. 
The Sports PR Summit is an invite-only event limited to 125 attendees. If you're a senior sports PR executive and you'd like to be invited to the 2016 Sports PR Summit at the Players' Tribune in New York City, get in touch with us via the Sports PR Summit website at sportsprsummit.com. That's sportsprsummit.com. Follow the Sports PR Summit on Twitter and Instagram at Sports PR Summit and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Sports PR Summit. I hope to see you at the 2016 Sports PR Summit on May 17th at the Players' Tribune in New York City. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. My guest is Nigel Eccles. He is the CEO and co-founder of FanDuel. You can find him on Twitter at Nigel Eccles, and you can find FanDuel on Twitter at FanDuel. Nigel, thanks for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Thank you. Great. What a growth pattern you guys have had. Let's start by talking about how FanDuel started. We're always inspired on this show with how companies get their start. I know you know, there's a story on your website about being in a backyard in Texas in 2009. How do how were you and your team inspired to start FanDuel? Sure. So that that's true. We have a pretty interesting backstory. Um, so in 2009, uh, myself and, and five uh, was five co-founders, and myself and four others. Uh, we already had a startup. Uh, it was a product called HubDub, which is a prediction game, but it wasn't working out, and and we were kind of staring failure in the face and. So we went to South by Southwest, and that was sort of March 2009, and we basically sat around in a backyard and said, hey, okay, guys, give me your best ideas. Um, and so one of, one of the things we came up with was fantasy sports, and we sort of felt, felt, that, we felt that we could just make it faster and more exciting. We didn't really have much beyond that. We felt faster and more exciting, and we want to make it mobile. We sort of felt that you know, the ESPNs and Yahoos of the world had sort of sat on fantasy sports for five or six years, and they hadn't really innovated so we sort of thought, you know, people love it, but we could make it better. Um, and that was really it. And we, we came up with that idea. Uh, we flew back, and two months later, we had a product out. I think by July, we, we had a product, and we then started just developing it with users, um, just getting feedback from them and just rapidly iterating it. And before you got into uh, FanDuel, daily fantasy didn't exist. I mean, you've really changed that whole dynamic for people who didn't want to play an entire season. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, effectively, we created an industry. Um, it, uh, you know, back at those points, like we, we really had to educate people what it was. In fact, we used to find it was impossible to advertise in October because people would be like, "Well, you can't start playing fantasy football in October. You know, the season's already been, you know, the the leagues are all locked up." And uh, so we that was really hard. And, and we started working actually working a lot of radio so that we could have. Um, could have DJs actually say, "No, you can join my league this weekend." Um, but yeah, there was there was uh, we really created an industry. So, other inspirations for you, business inspirations for you personally, uh, to start this and and just you know to lead this now multi billion dollar company. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess what always inspires me is is, is really creators, um, people that you know, create something out of nothing. Um, and so there's there's obviously icons like uh, Steve Jobs who kind of had the vision many many times uh, of just coming up with consumer technology and where people said it would never work or people wouldn't want and, and just continually being right. Uh, that would definitely be there. I think the Google story is just phenomenal. 
um, Google's now an investor in us, and it's just amazing to see the organization that they've built. So not only great insight into what consumers want, but also a real passion to build a, a organization that's very different and very unique and where people are really passionate about working for those, that organization. My guest is Nigel Eccles. He is the CEO and co-founder of FanDuel, a multi-billion dollar company now. Let's discuss some metrics for our listeners. How many players do you have and, and what are your goals for getting new players this year? I know you've got a ton of people sure. engaged, but how do you get new players? Sure. So um, last year when we, we last quoted numbers, we had about 1.2 million paying players uh, and we paid out... Uh, somewhere in the region of $550 million in prizes. Wow. Uh, and then this year, uh, we're projecting to pay out around $2 billion in prizes. So still growing very, very rapidly. That's Yeah, that's huge growth. Uh, who's the biggest FanDuel winner that you've had so far? I think I saw someone. Didn't someone win $2 million in a day? Yeah, so probably Scott Hansen. Um he won, he deposited $35 last football season. He saw an ad on TV. In fact, I think it was his wife saw the ad and said, hey, you're pretty good at fantasy football. Why don't you give us a try? So he's a, he's a personal trainer in Pasadena. He deposited $35. He qualified for an event we have called the World Fantasy Football Championship. Uh, it was $2, uh, I think his entry fee was. He won the qualifier. And uh, in week, uh, I think it was 12 or 13 last year, Flew him to Vegas, who's one of 100 finalists, and he just blew the competition away, and he walked away uh, with $2 million. So, I mean, those are the stories that I would imagine really resonate with people, especially you know, people who have played fantasy sports for a long time. They say, hey, I could be that guy, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, you speak to Scott or you speak to any of those finalists, their knowledge of sport, it, you know, it's their passion. It's, so they're they're actually... They're making money from a passion, um, but it's so interesting. I talk to people, and you get their knowledge of sports, and like, hey, this is an opportunity for you to really, you know, really prove that you really know your sports, and you know the, you know, the second, the third running back, and what is the impact in Jordy Nelson going down? You know, is Aaron Rodgers' value come down? Who's a top pick this weekend? So, I think it's a really great way of separating the people who kind of think they know their sports from the ones who really do know their sports. Where do you see future growth in daily fantasy? Is it in the U.S.? Is it Europe? Is it Asia? Where is it? Yeah, so you know, primarily our focus is still very much the U.S. And actually, it's, it's very much uh, football and basketball. Uh, those two sports account for 80% of our revenue. Uh, basketball is actually our fastest growing sport. And so we want to invest deeper and deeper into those sports. So if we talk about the NFL... Half of the league, 16 of the teams are, are team partners of us. If you talk about the NBA, also over half the league is team partners, and, and the league itself is a, an investor in FanDuel. And so, primarily, our focus is on investing in those sports. Um, but beyond that, uh, you know, we are interested in other sports in North America, um, and we also are very actively looking at international opportunities because um, if you actually look at it, the U.S. is only about 40% of the global sports media market. And so if I were to look at ourselves in 10 years' time, I would say, well, I would expect maybe only 40% of our revenue to come from the U.S. So in the long term, big international growth, but in the short term, it's, it's very much the U.S. and those, those major two sports. You mentioned team partnerships. What does a team have to do to become a team partner of FanDuel? 
so it's a good question. Um, and we, when we went out last year uh, to select team partners, there's a number of things we were looking for. Um, we, we were really looking for uh, you know, smart executives who really got what we were trying to do, the concept that they understood Fangio, that they understand our mission was about making sports more exciting, and were, were willing to work with us on sort of exciting things like experiential prizes, just to give you an example of that. So in Dallas, uh, the Mavericks put together this prize for a tournament, which is a fan got to be GM for the day. So this, this guy, lifelong Maverick fan, got to come in, got to meet the players, walked onto the court with the players, met Mark Cuban, um, and at halftime uh, got to go in a three-point uh, uh, contest. So, you know, a really an amazing thing, something you can't buy, and that was something that came, the Mavericks came to us with. So that's what we were looking for, and partners are like, who's innovative, who's come up with new ideas about making sports more exciting, about bringing their fans closer to the game. And so that's when we've gone around the league and sort of figured out which teams really get that and which ones were just much more conservative in what they wanted to do. And then, like you mentioned, you've got a league deal with the NBA. Uh, how did that get done? Because, you know, I know there's competition out there, and uh, obviously it's a, a great feather in your cap to be working with the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, no, that was uh, that was a competitive process. Uh, and, you know, really what, what happened there was uh, the NBA saw the category emerging. Uh, we had just done a deal with Orlando Magic, um, and so they went out to market and said, okay, we're going to partner with somebody. And they went to find the partner that they thought was going to be the best partner, was going to be the most innovative, um, and was going to sort of bring the most to the NBA. And so, uh, you know, we went in and pitched, and, and they selected us very quickly. And, and it's been a brilliant partnership since then. And, in fact, we've only just deepened it and deepened it since then. My guest is Nigel Eccles. He is the CEO and co-founder of FanDuel. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Uh, FanDuel recently acquired the sports analytics company Numberfire. Uh, I've liked their work for a long time. How is that going to change how FanDuel does business? What will the average person notice? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a great question. Um, really, we were firstly, we were interested in Numberfire for two reasons. Uh, the first one was... It actually is a phenomenal product in itself. So we sort of looked at it and said, well, this is a great business. We love their vision of making average sports fans smarter. So instead of just sort of talking heads, having real data, you know, what is the impact of Jordy Nelson's injury to Green Bay's chances this season? You know, what's the impact of the fantasy value for Aaron Rodgers? We just thought that was fantastic. And the, and the data that they had and the technology they had was, was second to none. And so that was exciting. It's like, we, we want to get behind this business. We think it aligns nice with our mission of making sports more exciting. Uh, you know, a smarter sports fan or better informed sports fan is more engaged. So that was sort of the primary one. And then the second thing was um, every quarter we survey our users about what they want more from Fangio. And always in the top three is they want more, more information, more tools, more assistance in, in picking their lineup. And so we were looking at what do we need to build? How do we build that sort of predictive capability? And so when we saw a number fire, we're like, look, it's already out there, and there's a, fanat- a fantastic team behind it. And so I think what, what players will see is they'll start to see more integration of number fire into the Fangio product. But at the same time, they're going to see the number fire product stand alone, continue to evolve and get better. How often do you 
talk with your users, your fantasy players to find out, you know, like you just said, they, they give us three or four things every year that we can improve sure. on. How often do you have those conversations? Um, so I personally, uh, you know, I try to exchange emails with, with users all the time. Um, I'm actually going to an event this weekend. It's going to have about a hundred high value players there. Um, and so that's a great way of just personally talking to people, uh, understanding what the challenges are, what they like, what they don't like as a company. Uh, we, our team are talking to customers every day. Uh, so customer service, obviously, doing it every day. But you know, the product team are doing it. You know, they're having people into the office every week. Um, saying, hey, we're thinking about these new features. What do you think? Um, and you know, if you're a customer side, you will find you get surveyed a lot about what do you think of this over that. What's your preference? So, you know, it's very important from the very early days when we developed first developed the product. We knew we weren't an expert, and so we built a culture of always asking our customers, getting feedback, rather than thinking that we knew the answer. Um, and so I think, we, I think we are pretty good at, you know, at getting feedback from our customer base. What's the, uh, I guess, weirdest or oddest thing someone has said to you when you've talked to them in person, whether it's after you've handed them a check or you're yeah. engaging <laughs> them for their uh, advice? Oh, uh, I think they know not to ask me for fantasy advice. Huh? <laughs> that's, that's de- I'm definitely not strong there, um, particularly against for players. Uh, so that's not good. Um, we did have a we did have a finalist. Um, uh, we did have a finalist uh, last year who who won. I'll not say how much he won because you figure out who he was. And I saw him after he won somewhere around half a million or a million. He was playing like. You know, two dollar craps, and I thought, wow, you've got a big bank balance. You're still, you know, you, but you're you're not letting it go to your head. That was the same evening, so I thought that was quite funny. Uh, but I, I don't know, like I, you know, in terms of what they want, everybody kind of wants to know where it's headed, um, what we're thinking of next, um, and and that's that's always a really good challenge for us. I think nobody, neither the players or company, are comfortable with just saying, yeah, well. You know, in five years' time, Fangio will look very similar, only it'll be ten times bigger. Um, we want to keep making it better. So you mentioned marketing efforts. Obviously, your partnerships with teams and leagues is one way to market yourself. Mm-hmm. What are other ways that you're letting people know that you exist? And then my other question is, do more people find you via your app and your mobile or online? Uh, so we, we market across multiple channels. You'll, you'll see us on TV, uh, radio. Uh, we're active on Facebook, uh, a lot of digital channels. Uh, but, you know, referral, uh, word of mouth is, is you know, one of the biggest channels, uh, which we think is great. People love, people love the product, so they're referring it to their friends. Uh, I think over the last year, we have seen a very dra- dramatic shift from from web, in fact, over the last two to three years, from web to mobile, and essentially we are becoming, we became a mobile company, probably really in the last 12 months, hmm. where mobile is a primary means that people interface with the product, uh, but both both still remain very important. Well, so that's interesting, because you've got to make sure that all of your uh, bells and whistles, so to speak, are uh, working and functioning on mobile devices just as well as they would online, right? Oh, oh very much so. In fact, that's what we kind of create the culture of have people talk about mobile first and say, hey, does, how does this work in mobile rather than, because sometimes when you're in the office, it's too easy to just think about the the web experience and say, hey, what are we doing on the web? 
and forget about the fact that our players more and more are just uh, checking it on a mobile device. A few more questions for you. A, a typical day for you, and I know most executives yeah. like yourself say, well, there is no typical day. It's always changing, but give our listeners an idea of, of how you spend your day. Sure. So uh, often depends where I'm at. Like I divide my time between our UK and US offices or or on the road. You know, if I'm in if I'm in the US office, uh, I'll get up and I'll have a, a deluge of emails from the UK because uh, they'll have got up five hours ahead of me, which is, which is a bit of a disadvantage. <laughs> um, we'll we will do a say on a Tuesday. So we say yesterday we or on say on Tuesdays we'll do an all hands company call um, and so all our department heads just go through the kind of key performance metrics the previous week where we're at um, so that that we do that about 11 p.m. or sorry 11 a.m. Uh, uh, Eastern um, and then from then I'll roll on to meeting with one-on-ones with my exec team um, and sort of after that it, it's usually a mixture of calls of investors, calls of board members, our team partners, um, just a real whatever the kind of main topic of the day is. You ever sleep? <laughs> Sounds like you're... <laughs> I, sleep, I sleep, on, sleep on planes. Yeah, no uh, kidding. You know, the, the infiltration of Wi-Fi into planes is, is both a blessing and a curse. Yes. Um, yeah, but uh, it's kind of... Yes, it's, uh, it used to be great. I get on a plane, I'm uncontactable for five hours, but that's, that's going away. If you're not working, what do you like to do? Uh, so quite a lot of things. Um, like I obviously I love watching sport. Um, uh, I also am quite an active runner. Uh, although I had a, I, my daughter, I've got two and a half year old, and she was born. Uh, so she was born two and a half years ago, and she uh, she's kind of had a big impact on that. But I've I've done a couple of marathons. Um, I'd love to get back into it, but I have to wait till she she doesn't uh, demand so much of my time. See, I have a ten and a half year old daughter, and she's gotten into golf in the last few years. So now we can play golf together. So whereas when she was two and a half, and and you know couldn't really actively participate in any of those uh, types of things, now she can get out and, and play golf. So Nigel, thank you so much for joining us on Sports Business Radio. Really appreciate it. Continued success to you with FanDuel, and uh, let's stay in touch. That's great. No, thanks for having me on. All right, take care. Good luck with the rest of your day. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR, powered by Postano. More after this. Hi, it's Brian Berger. Here at Sports Business Radio, we are proud to work with our partners, Pastano. They make a sports-proven visual marketing platform that I've personally been amazed to see. Teams like the Dallas Cowboys, Boston Red Sox, LA Kings, and Cleveland Cavaliers all use Pastano to engage their fans. When sports teams and fans tell their stories together, amazing things can happen. Every fan has a story. Whether you want to put selfies on the Jumbotron, create a dynamic social media command center, or activate a hashtag campaign on your website, Pastano can design an amazing social experience true to your brand. Even better, using the Pastano platform can pay for itself through selling sponsorships. As an example, the Kings sell sponsor space to Toyota and other clients and run the ads using Pastano. Want to see what your team's social content could look like? Schedule a demo today. Go to pastano.com slash sports. If you're a fan of this podcast, you understand the real power of engaging your fans. And these guys get it. That is P-O-S 
T-A-N-O.com. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back to wrap up this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks to Nigel Eccles, the CEO and co-founder of FanDuel, for joining us on Sports Business Radio this week. I want to thank our show staff, our executive producer, Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Doug Zanger, and Diane Penny. Thanks to our friends at Pistano for powering Sports Business Radio. Follow them online at Pistano.com. That's P-O-S-T-A-N-O.com or on Twitter at Pistano. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast or go to iTunes and type in Sports Business Radio. We're rated as the top 100 business news podcast on iTunes. You can also find our show on TuneIn Radio and the Stitcher apps. We're also on Audio Boom. We've got a channel there that features all of our podcasts from 2006 on, as well as some of our best interviews. So go to Audio Boom and search for the Sports Business Radio page. Follow me on Twitter at SB Radio. Our Twitter feed was named to the top 100 sports business must-follows on Twitter for 2014. We thank Forbes for that honor. Well, 9-11 is coming up, and by the time some of you hear this, it will have taken place. And, you know, I had a chance when I was in New York for the Sports PR Summit this past May to go to the 9-11 Memorial and see the waterfalls. I also went and saw the museum. I went with my mom. Um, boy, never forget 9-11. And I know people out there haven't. And again, not trying to go into politics or anything like that here. But uh, just let's remember, let's pause and remember all of the people who lost their lives on 9-11-2001. Um, let's remember all the people who were impacted by that. And I'll tell you, if you are in New York and you get a chance to go to the memorial and go to the museum, stop by and do it. it it's well worth your time. Um, I think there were years of conversations about what that should look like, how to get it right, how to honor the victims, and I think they got it right. And I was really impressed with uh, everything that I saw when I was there this past May. So uh, for Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business. Radio. So no, no, honey, I'm good. I could have another, but I probably should not. I got somebody at home. Hi, it's Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio, but also the founder and CEO of the exclusive Sports PR Summit. The Sports PR Summit is an annual event bringing together senior PR executives from the sports world, national media members, and pro athletes for a full day of panel discussions, featured conversations, and face-to-face networking in New York City. Past speakers have included ESPN reporter Jeremy Schapp, Sports Illustrated executive editor John Wartime, former NFL veterans Tiki Barber and Derek Mason, NBA senior VP of PR Mike Bass, and other top PR minds from across the sports world. The 2016 Sports PR Summit will take place on Tuesday, May 17th at the Players' Tribune, which is a new digital media platform created and curated by some of the world's top athletes and founded by former Yankees great Derek Jeter. The Sports PR Summit is an invite-only event limited to 125 attendees. If you're a senior sports PR executive and you'd like to be invited to the 2016 Sports PR Summit at the Players' Tribune in New York City, get in touch with us via the Sports PR Summit website at sportsprsummit.com. That's sportsprsummit.com. Follow the Sports PR Summit on Twitter and Instagram at Sports PR Summit and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash sports PR summit. I hope to see you at the 2016 
Sports PR Summit on May 17th at the Players' Tribune in New York City.